Welcome to the Sports Business Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Eric Compton, a.k.a. This Town Business. And as always, I got my co-host, my battle buddy, my brother from another mother, the one and only Mr. Brian Fairfield, a.k.a. Big Sarge. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, y'all? How y'all doing today? I'm just living happy. You know what I'm saying? Trying to live right, eat right. You know what I'm saying? I'm single. I might need to find, I got to get on these dating websites, man. Man, there's plenty of them out there. You got Tinder, Bumblebee. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 plenty of fish. POF. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, hey, hey is, uh, what is that? What, uh, Black, Black, Black Planet or Black People Meet? What's that one called? Uh, Black Planet? <laughs> I think it's Black, I think it's Black Planet, Black People Meet, one of them. Yeah. Hey, listen. Well, Kemp, man, you sure do know a lot about the uh, date website. Hey, man, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, I just got gay. I was a non-commissioned officer, man. I needed to know what these soldiers was doing. Today, <laughs> man. Uh-huh. And that's we're going to leave it at that. So uh, moving on, because I know my beautiful fiance, Miss Monique, is probably listening. So uh, love you, baby. Uh, we're going to keep this thing moving straight on forward. Or if someone tries to incriminate me. Uh, <laughs> we going to move in, man, and move into this game. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, before we start going into confession booths, tell me where they can find you at, BB. Oh, man, you can find me at <laughs> Big Star Sports with a Z on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can find me at Brian L. Bearfield, Big Star on Facebook. <laughs> and on Tinder, Plenty of Fish, I'm the Sex Chocolate Booth in 1906. <laughs> And once again, my name is Eric, aka Mr. Town Business. You can find me on Instagram at Money Compton. You can also find me on Facebook at Eric Compton. Please also email the show at sportsbusiness at gmail.com. That's S P O R T Z B I Z N E S S at gmail.com, man. So before we sit there and try to give away our status as a one night about our personal lives, boy, Lord <laughs> have mercy. <laughs> Lord have mercy. We're going to talk about these games that uh, just transpired this past weekend, man. If you had to sit there and name one word and put a word on this past uh, weekend's game, what would it be, man? Uh, surprise. <laughs> surprise. I was surprised by some of the things that was done in some of these games. So, yeah, surprise. Yeah, I was actually surprised. And I was also, another word I would probably say is consistent. Um, you know, I think last week we harped on, we didn't know what a what a, a tackle in the National Football League was these days. And, you know, I was very, very, very uh, big on uh these guys sitting there talking about what is, what is roughing the passer. So I don't I don't think there was too many blatant roughing the passer calls that took, transpired this past Sunday. Um, so that was good to see. And, you know, I was also good to see that some of these players, uh, some of these players got to play, you know, physical and actually play the game of football, which is a contact sport. So um, with that being said, man, I think one game that kind of got overshadowed just because these games on Thursday would probably be the Los Angeles Ram against the uh, Minnesota Vikings where Minnesota just looked like they were just in another time zone against the Rams, where the Rams actually beat them 31-38, to 38, but the, the score was a lot like, I mean, it was a track meet in the beginning of the game, but, I mean, you could just definitely tell that the L.A. Rams are just on a different planet right now, man. Like, they're just clicking on all cylinders. Their defense is just very potent. And I don't know what's going on with the Vikings. I thought they had one of the more elite teams, uh, elite defenses in the league. And right now, they've given up just points after points after points the past couple of weeks, man. But, uh, BB, is it, is it too early to say that the Minnesota, uh, that the LA Rams are the best team in the NFL yet? 
not too early. It's not too early to say that, and they are by far head and shoulders above the rest of the competition right now. About the closest team that I thought what would be would give them any any type of competition would be the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I don't know. They just play so inconsistent right now. But I, uh, the thing that bothers me about the uh, the L.A. Rams is the fact that you know Talib is out for a significant amount of time, and um, uh, what's the uh, Marcus Peters is having injuries. I mean, he's injured as well. So you know that front seven can still get get pressure consistently. But if you find a, a, a good team like that, that game between Minnesota. You play that game 10 times, the Rams may lose at least four of those games. Yeah, man, and I definitely think they probably might lose maybe four, maybe three of those games. But, you know, you did bring up with Akeem Tlaib being hurt, uh, you know, last week that didn't play this past week, uh, this past Thursday. Um, Marcus Peters was actually able to suit up and uh, and play as well. But, you know, um, they, they were actually were able to acquire Sam Shields. I don't know if you remember who Sam Shields was, but he was very he was a very key player, um, probably about what, four or five years ago when uh, the Green Bay Packers made their uh, championship run. He was part of that uh, deep defensive back crew with Charles Woodson, Trayvon, yeah. Trayvon, uh, or Trayvon Williams, I believe was his name, the other cornerback. So Sam Shields got some, definitely has some uh, experience down there. He um, out of uh, Florida State. Uh, I, I, I was just, that's the only way I remember. He's actually from the U. Oh, is he for, okay, he's from the U. Florida. Yeah. Okay, I just didn't know. Where. All right. Yeah, so he's from the U. So um, they're doing like they they got uh, one thing about the Rams, man. They're just so deep, bro. Like they're just when you think that they got you know they're, they're short on one part, you know, one position. They got another another uh, another uh, a player to fill in, you know, with Roby Coleman and Nikhil Roby Coleman kind of filling in uh, with Sam Shields last week. That kind of helped out. Um, you know, Aaron Donald showed out last weekend, man. So. Um, I definitely think that uh, the Rams are by far the best team to beat, man. Jared Goff looks like a completely different player, even from his, you know, even I would even say from last year. Like, I think last year he was more of a game manager. But this year, like, Jared Goff is literally dropping the ball down the field where it just looks, you know, he's just doing an amazing, phenomenal job. Um, Having Brandon Cooks and uh, Robert Woods and Ty Gurley being able to catch the ball out of the uh, backfield as well as Tyler Higby, like that definitely helps out as well. But though that, hey that, man, don't forget Cooper Cup and Cooper Cup, yes, Cooper <laughs> Cup. Uh, he's actually one of the league leaders right now with touchdowns with four already. So, I mean, th- this team is just rolling, bro. Like they, I mean, barring any significant injuries, man. Like I, I don't see anybody in the NFC that's going to be able to sit here and touch these guys, man. Like there's not a team that I can think of right now that can may I possibly, I don't know if this is too early to tell, maybe the Bears. Um, I don't know if that was more of a flash in the pan with them recently, but definitely defensively wise, I think the Bears defense may be able to stop the uh, Rams offense. But like I said, if you if the playoffs started today, I got all my, all my chips are going in with LA, man. I would say the exact same thing, man. I'm very, very, um, well, I'm not surprised. I know that I used the word earlier, but I'm not surprised at what Sean McVay is doing, man. He's one of the most talented offensive minds in the National Football League. And, uh, you know, to see him be a head coach. And, you know, the the, the other thing that I like is that he doesn't worry about the defense, man. He just let Wade coach the defense at all the way that he wants to coach the defense. And so mm-hmm. when you don't have to worry about any of those other responsibilities like that, and I, I, I will say this too, Sean McVay should be an example for the rest of these coaches, who, especially the ones who like to have control over everything. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't I don't need that control. All I want to do is control the offense. Everybody mm-hmm. else, you know, everybody else is paid 
to do other things. And so you have a lot of these old school coaches that still like they want to be over this, they want to be over that, they want to be over this. And Sean McVay is like, whatever, man. Like, just let me, you know, keep calling these high power uh, offensive plays, and I'm good with that. Yeah, not to mention, man, when you got a legend like Wade Phillips sitting there being your defensive coordinator, that definitely has to be a huge stress reliever as well, man, because Wade Phillips has been in the league, geez, Louise, but what they say, like 40 or 50 years now? Man, he's uh, been there for a long time. Yeah, so when you got that much experience, like, Sean McVay is only a year older than me, so, like, <laughs> why would you, like, my thing is, like, if a dude's telling you, hey, man, I got the defense, and this dude's been in the league for 40 years, and every time he he brings, he puts a defense together, like, they're very, very, very good, one of the top echelon teams, defensive teams in the league, like, why would I undermine this dude? Like, there's no reason for me to sit here and, and if, especially if I'm not, if defense isn't my forte, like, why am I going to sit here and question what Wade Phillips is doing? Like, I think he's in the business of winning as well, and he'd like to be gainfully employed, so I'm pretty sure... I would leave all my faith in uh in, in a guy like Wade Phillips. So I definitely think having a dude like a defensive coordinator like Wade Phillips on on helping on the coaching staff definitely is a nice little plus too, where he doesn't really have to worry about anything. Like he could look at Wade and be like, "Hey, bro, handle your business. Make sure that they show up on Sunday and everything else. I'll take care of." So I definitely think that that uh that relationship that those two have definitely helps out, and that it just it it seems to be working. You know? Yeah, exactly, man. And so you know, that's what that's the kind of dynamic that you need to make a successful NFL franchise. That's why, uh, that's one of the reasons why the um, the New England Patriots are so successful too, because at some point, you know, um, Bill Belichick learned to just let Josh McDaniel handle everything on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And, and I, go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say, and, you know, he did Matt Patricia the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Matt Patricia moving on, you know, I guess that's a smooth transition. Good job right there, baby a smooth transition into that Cowboys-Detroit uh, Lions game. You know, Matt Patricia had them boys playing. Like, they, you know, after their first week one loss um, where they got smoked out by the Jets, like, they've been playing a lot better. And uh, they were actually up late towards the end of the game, but uh, just couldn't sit there and uh, put put the put the finishing touches on with a kicker from Dallas kicking that game with a field goal in. But, but the Detroit Lions looks like uh, they were just a little bit short against the Dallas Cowboys, 26-24, man. But, uh... I know you're down there in Texas, BB, but uh, it looks like Dak Prescott finally had uh, somewhat of a manageable game. You know, he went 17 for 27, 255, two touchdowns. Um, Zeke got off yesterday with, uh, you know, 152 yards on the ground and then picked up another 88 catch and also had a catch and touchdown, man. Uh, what, what changed yesterday, man? You said what changed yesterday? Yeah, yeah what changed yesterday besides giving Zeke the ball? <laughs> that, that's the only thing that changed. <laughs> The only thing that changed was the fact that they did give Zeke the ball, which they had should, you know, they should have been doing for a very long time. And it's it's sad that he had to come out and actually say something during the week um, before they realized that 16 carries, uh, 16 carries a game isn't enough for uh, when you got a monster at the running back position like he is. I mean, on last last week, you know, before the game, he was tied with uh, what's the running back from uh, San Francisco's name, Brita. Yeah, Brita. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were tied for. Um, for the league, uh, 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 for the Russian title. Well, not the Russian title, but the Russian league leader in Russian. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so, uh, and that's with him only getting 16 touches. And then you see what happens when he when he touches the ball, man. He's dynamic, brother. So that uh, you know, him having 152 yards yesterday on 25 carries is going to open up the minds of uh, and and it, and, it, and it's also going to do um, another thing too. He had those, he had those, and they were still stacking the box. And so what the, mm-hmm. what the 
uh, Scott Linehan finally got smart and what he says, okay, I, I gotta use this guy the best way I can. He pulled him out of he pulled him out of the the backfield and started uh, you know, getting split him out wide passes, putting him in a slot position. Mm-hmm. And that's going to free up some of that eight man in the box, some of that, you know, uh, stuff in the box so they can't get the running game going. The one team that used to do that so well was the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. When mm-hmm. they had, what was their running back name, Westbrook? No. Uh, yeah, Brian Westbrook. Brian Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the one thing I loved about Andy Reid and I hated about Andy Reid because I like to see the way he ran that offense. Mm-hmm. By the same token, it would always kill the Cowboys. Like, it would keep them at bay. And that's what I think going forward, now that they see that between between the screen plays and with the read option that's going to uh, get Dak some more running yards here pretty soon, the Cowboys may start to put it together when it comes on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, because on the defensive side of the ball, like they they don't have really nothing to worry about, you know. Um, they're doing exactly what they need to be doing, um, hold, hold defenses down to, you know, minimal, minimal stuff. And anytime you can throw a pass-happy guy like Matt Stafford just under 300, you know, right around 300 yards, even though that may be a lot, in Matt Stafford's eyes, that's not a bad, you know, that's that's somewhat of a bad day. So, you know, I definitely think the defense is, you know, picking up as well. Their defense, the offense needs to catch up with the Cowboys' defense. And I think that, like you said, giving Zeke, Zeke the ball and feeding them, you know, 29, t- 29 touches out of out of a football game is definitely going to help out. My only concern is I know Zeke kind of ended the game a little bit gimpy with the elbow and ankle. You know, is he built to sit there and carry that, you know, take a load and take a beating like that for 16 consecutive games? Because if memory calls me, I know Last year he was suspended, and I believe the year before his rookie year, he didn't play a full 16 games either due to injuries. Um, do you think he's durable to take take a beating like this? Because you know this this is a grown man league, you know. Yeah, so I think that he is um, only because I think that that six games that he set out uh, last year actually opened up his mind. You know, he did a lot of training in the off season. Um, he did a lot of training, excuse me, when he had the six weeks off and in the offseason in order to get himself back in shape and to come into come into the season healthy. And so I think that now he is, he, he's figured out his, with the nutrition and the, the training regimen, I think he has himself ready for the game. Now, I say that, and I don't know if you've seen already that, you know, they're saying that he's having some ankle problems, mm-hmm. but I think that's, that's just some, you know, that I always figure that when they say stuff like that, uh, that's because the dude don't want to practice. <laughs> so <laughs> probably, <laughs> yeah. And not to mention they got a short week this week. Uh, I believe they play the Texans on Thursday. If I no, no, no. They play the Texans on Sunday night. Okay, yeah, that's right. They play the Texans Sunday night. So um, that ought to be a banger out there to show down at the two Texans teams. Um, that kind of leaves me able to segue into the Texans versus the Colts game, man. So. Um, <laughs> I think that the Colts handed the Texans a win, but definitely, ne- nevertheless, the Texans are finally on board with the 34-37 victory against the Indianapolis Colts, man. Uh, what, what happened yesterday, man? So this is what I said. <clears throat> like, um, during, on the show on the show last week, I predicted that the Texans would win, and I also mm-hmm. predicted that they would score over 30 points. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know that they were going to win by the way that they did, but, you know, I look at it two ways. Um, and I said this earlier today. I understand what Frank Reich was doing. I, I, I understand, you know, he, he was going for the win. And, yeah. why, and why not? I mean, they put up, they out, they were outscored the, the, the Texans, I think it was 24 to 16 in the second half, but they put up 14 points on them. In the they fourth quarter. 14, in the fourth quarter. So mm-hmm. he, he found a niche. 
he found out mm-hmm. that the Texans were, you know, because Texans love to play cover too, and they keep their defensive back off three to five yards off the line because they don't have any speed. Mm-hmm. So all all uh, Andrew Luck started doing was dinking and dunking them, and he's like, I only need enough time to get this pass out. So if y'all can keep the Davion and JJ Watt off of me, I'll be good. And so that's what they start doing. And so, like I said, I understand what Frank Reich, what Frank Reich was doing, but I also can't take away from the fact that you know the Texans put up enough points to win. I mean, that was a game where you know they was like, well, it was more that the uh, Indianapolis Colts lost it than the Texans won it. You can say what you want to say; it's still a W in the win column. Yeah, not yeah, like you said, a W is a W, and Ws are hard to find by. And I think the Texans are a prime example of just how hard it is to to get a win in the in the National Football League. But, you know, kind of going back to uh, Frank Wright and that call on fourth down, I think they were on their side of the 40, I think, or y'all side? Yep, 43. Yeah, they were on the 43. So they were, I mean, they were somewhat in no man's land where you're kind of in that area, that gray area where you don't know if you want to punt, kick a field goal, and, uh, or go for it. Um, granted, they were on their side of the 40-yard line, so it made the call a little bit more interesting. But, you know, Frank Wright called it on the head, man. You know, you played and win the game. You're not trying to play for no tie. And the worst thing that happens is a tie. Like, that's 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 the worst case of the scenario. And a tie really is not going to hurt help you. It's not really going to hurt you. It's going to be more of a win than a loss. Like, ties are more considered wins than they are losses if you have to go down to a tie. So I definitely respect where he's coming from. And he looks like he had the players' uh, confident, vote of confidence on that as well. You know, Andrew Luck has to do a better job of throwing a better hitch pass. If they're going to call that fourth yard play, they need, to, they need to call it a better play, first and foremost, and make sure the ball can get to where it ball can get past that first down marker. So that was a little interesting on the play calling, but as far as the play itself, yeah, I definitely thought that they should have went for it. I mean, you're playing to win the game, and the worst thing that can happen is a, a, a tie. Like, you don't play to tie, you play to win. So, um, you know, I, I definitely understand where that came from. Telling back to Houston, I definitely saw that, you know, that from what I saw, I think Deshaun Watson looks like he started to get his legs on him. He's playing a little bit more confident. He's scrambling a little bit more. I saw he had a rushing touchdown yesterday, so I think Deshaun Watson is finally starting to, you know, not necessarily get over the ankle, you know, tearing both ACLs, you know, but um, just being able to be more confident and being able to plant that, uh, plant that foot down and uh, make sure that he doesn't, you know, he feels a little bit more better with that muscle memory as far as being able to drive the ball down the field. That's what I saw. I saw Deshaun Watson just looking a little bit more confident and just being able to scramble around a little bit more as opposed to the first couple of weeks. He looked a little timid and he didn't want to scramble around as much, man. I think that's the only the only problem that I have with what Deshaun Watson is doing right now is he has to he's he's gotten into a habit of throwing a uh, interception. He's thrown four interceptions for four weeks in a row, and so he has to learn how to cut down and have a better you know because he could be that one of those one of those interceptions could be uh, that could turn the game around, and so he has to learn that you know to protect the ball a little bit better but you know he's on his third straight week of uh, over 300 yards passing over two touchdowns a game and so that that was good I mean and you also now look on the other side of the ball man I don't want to take anything away from the uh, what J.J. Watt has done the last two weeks and Jadavion Clowney is starting to get healthy so you will see them as they move forward be better if Romeo can call some really good plays 
Right, yeah, and you know, I think definitely, you know, JJ Watts started coming to shape. JJ, uh, Javadin Clowney's coming, you know, playing a little bit better. Um, Merciless, you know, he's 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 rounding up. So you got also mentioned like this is when your veteran players, the, the guys that have been in the league for you know x amount of years, they start finally getting into that game shape. You know, they don't really take training camp as serious as your first two year one to year three players where, you know, they're literally playing for a roster spot. When you got marquee players like JJ Watch, Damon Clowney, uh, Merciless out there, um, who've been in the league, you know, who are well-established players in the league, um, you know, they don't start really getting, they don't take the preseason super serious. They, you know, some of them don't even play it until about week one. So you got to think they've been, they've been off all season and probably hitting the weight room, working on cardio, you know, getting on their diet and whatnot, just letting the bodies heal. You know, they don't really get into game shape until, you know, right around week four, week five. So, you know, this is definitely time. For, you know, this is definitely where you start seeing the big boys coming into play and your your marquee players starting to get into season form, man. So, uh, you know, do you think they can uh, rip off a nice, you know, nice maybe four to, you know, winning three out of four games possibly within the next four games or so? Uh, they can. They won't do it against the, the Cowboys, yeah. but they can. Like they can, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Cowboys fan. I just think that the Cowboys have the two things that are the Texans' weakness, and that's a good running back and a strong defensive line. Yeah, and not to mention, like you said, that defense is probably what top 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 seven to ten. You know, they're they're one of the upper echelon defenses. So you know, getting some points off of them ain't gonna be easy. And a lot of teams have come to find that hard. So you know, I think uh, I think uh, Houston has to pay their hands full next week. Well. Scoop with the showdown of Dallas next uh, next Sunday, so it'll definitely be interesting to see that man. But uh, you know, moving on over to the um, we going from the South to the Midwest. Uh, kind of want to touch on this man. Uh, it, are, are we taking the Bears a little too lightly, man? Um. So I don't know if you remember or not. I said that the biggest thing that was going to happen with the uh, <coughs> excuse me with the addition of Khalil Mack was that you'll see a better Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> because you're gonna always, you're gonna always have, um, and like I said, I didn't expect on yesterday. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I did not expect what he did on yesterday. But I will say that I expected him to step it up a little bit more because when you, I put it like this, you had to think about when you go back to that. Uh, let's just go back to that Ravens defense and um, who, who was their quarterback at the time? Trent Dilfer. You had to know that yes, Trent Dilfer. He knew that his defense was. On, uh, only giving up nine points a game. So he knew that he could go out there, he could take some chances, he can do what he needed to do. You know, mm-hmm. and if he made a mistake, you know, they'll go back and get the ball for him. Yeah. That's what Mitchell Trubisky is starting to realize. He's like, look, I have a, I have a stud that's, that's going to require a double team, and, and I got another, you know, Roquan Smith, and I got uh, Leonard Little. So I, I, got a, I got a pretty – Leonard Floyd, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I got a pretty good defense that I can make these types of uh, – uh, mistakes if I have to in order and I'll get the ball back so that's that's the thing that I think is going on with the Chicago Bears right now yeah man and not to mention like you know looking looking at it you know their defense is just bro like the, the, this defense looking like the doggone you know what is it, the 88 Bears that they sat there and uh, won that Super Bowl like the, the Super Bowl shuffle boys um if you really think about it they should maybe be 4-0 um if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers doing that Aaron Rodgers stuff but I mean if you're looking at them Take, take the Green Bay game away, man. They'd only beat Seattle 24-17. They beat up Arizona Cardinals 16-14. They, they beat up on a Tampa Bay team where, you know, it looks like fixed magic. Uh, man, have you ever seen the show called uh, Magic's Biggest Secrets finally revealed? 
when they had this one dude with a mask on, he was a magician, and he would sit there and do all these tricks. And then at the end of the, each trick, he would sit there and show him uh, how the trick was done. No, is that on Netflix? Yeah, it is actually on Netflix, bro. It's like a TV show like back in the early 2000s, bro. Check it out, man. It's a really, really good show. Oh man, I'm definitely gonna have to watch. Highly, that. you get you get a high, it's a highly recommended show, bro. Like it's it's a good show. Like it was used to be a TV series, and they would sit there and show it was a magician. He would be masked up, and he would show you each magic trick, all the famous magic tricks done. He would perform them, and then on the back end, he would show them how it was done. That is literally what Ryan Fitzpatrick did yesterday. <laughs> he literally showed us the first four weeks. Oh my goodness! No one has ever thrown for over 400 yards in his first three games in NFL history, except for Ryan, Mr. Fitzmagic, Fitzpatrick, uh, Conor McGregor, whatever you want to call this dude. And what did he do yesterday? He sat there and showed you what he was doing, and got exposed, exposed. So, uh, um, yeah, you know, I don't know if I could take the Bears this serious. Uh, they got a bye this week, and then the following week they play. Uh, the next two games they play Miami and New England. So it'll there's there's your measuring stick. So I'm not going I'm not too sold on the Bears yet. I know Khalil Max out here running around looking like uh Lawrence Taylor or Reggie White, but um he hasn't really done it against some uh some 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 real tough competition. But on the other hand, man, Khalil bro, like every time I sit there and see this dude, man, it's just like I just shake my head like what what were you doing, John Gruden? Like <laughs> Why? Why did you just let this man walk walk away? Like it, it just doesn't make any sense, and I'm just super duper baffled on how this even took place. But um, give give the credit to the to the Bears, man. You can only play against the teams that are in front of you. If they out here just gang tag, you know, molly whopping all these teams that are in front of them, you, you know, those are the games. Those can be trap games, and they're they're doing what they need to be doing. And that's a team that should probably be beat four and zero, man. Oh, they they should be, man. I mean, if you don't allow. Aaron Rodgers, like you said, to come back and pull that debacle. <laughs> yeah. Um, they would be they would be pouring though. I don't like I said, we'll see as time go, you know, time goes on and you know, they they so here's another thing. I always look at it like this too. I don't get me wrong, I'm taking nothing away from Khalil Mack. He is a beast, he is a monster. But they also these NFC teams, they have tape on him, but they don't have tape on him. Mm-hmm. So second time around when he has to play when he comes around to playing the Packers and the Vikings and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, once they play him twice, they'll they'll know how to better scheme for him. And then that's when you're going to see if Mitch Trubisky has really grown up or not. Um, when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I said this today, man. I was like, I'm pretty sure Ryan Fitzpatrick walked in on yesterday and be like, so y'all going to start me again? Haven't I told you all? Like, y'all, don't, y'all ain't read the record on me? I'm good for a good two weeks. Then after that, I go into a decline. You thought last week was a joke. Let me show you. Look, hold my beer. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, you're talking to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, y'all want me to come to practice early? Practice. We're not talking about the game. We're talking about practice. practice right. The great Allen Iverson. Exactly. Y'all want me to show up early and throw the ball to Deshaun Jackson? I didn't even know this guy existed until um, I walked in here into training camp. I didn't even know he was still in the league. And so, y'all want me here doing all the things that a starting quarterback gonna do. Ain't James getting ready to come back? Man, look, I was only here for James. Right. And now that James is back, he can have it. Oh, right. y'all, oh, it's some controversy? Don't worry. I'm gonna go out here and think, <laughs> up, think up the game so much, you're gonna have to put him in. Ain't gonna be no such thing as a controversy. Yeah, man, and I don't I don't really necessarily know what my take is on James Winston, man. I don't know if he's a good quarterback or, or what. Like, I thought he was okay in, at Florida State, but I never thought he was amazing or anything like that um you know he came in and you know threw the rock around 16 for 20 for a buck 45 um did have one of the touchdowns but i mean 
I mean, it's like six one half dozen other, bro. Like, you could have Ryan Fitzpatrick who's going to clearly show you that he ain't he he's not a, a 16 game I'm gonna start every Sunday for a full season quarterback but then here you got Jameis Winston who to me hasn't really proven anything since he's gotten into the league like I, I don't know what I don't know what they're gonna do OJ Howard's gonna be gone for the next two weeks with a knee injury um you know Mike Evans you know he he looked very pedestrian yesterday um Deshaun Jackson you know he still had five yards five ca- uh, catches for a buck 12 uh catching the ball but you know, they absolutely had no run game whatsoever. I know the Chicago defense uh, tore them up on that, but it's just like, I don't know what to expect now that you got Jameis Winston coming in. Like, I don't know, is this going to help you or not? Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do, and I don't know what's what the next what the next step is, but I don't know if Jameis Winston is is the answer to that problem. I, I, I look at it like this, man. Jameis Winston has always had a strong arm to me, and I think that's what's gotten him by he doesn't make great decisions because because of that strong arm sometimes. He will try to thread a needle because he thinks he can throw it hard enough to get it to where mm-hmm. it needs to be. And that messes up his accuracy sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that the best thing that happened to Jameis was him getting suspended and Ryan Fitzpatrick playing that well. Because even though Fitz, Fitzpatrick has stunk up the place the last game and a half, mm-hmm. he's still a serviceable quarterback to have Jameis pull. And I think that now Jameis has never had to look over his shoulder since he's been in the league. No, he's never. never. Had to look over, yeah. Never. So now he has to look over his shoulder. They went out and got a serviceable quarterback that can come in and lead the team to victory. He showed him that. So I think that maybe this has uh, made Jameis grow up. You know, he has a son now, so he got a family. So it would be um, going to be interesting to see how he's going to react once he comes back. Yeah, it would definitely behoove him to get on, get it together, you know, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is a contract year for Jameis. So um, I know the Bucks are going to end up paying him. Like, you can't sit there and just find a quarterback off the street, uh, off the streets, off of a free agency, unless they plan on taking this year and just trying to see if there's a quarterback out there in the draft class um, that could possibly help them. But as far as I know, all the college quarterbacks that are supposed to be highly touted aren't even eligible for the draft this year. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they want to do, but with Jameis Winston at the end of the season. But uh, you know, moving on to another quarterback after Washington yesterday, bro. I don't, I don't even know if I can rock with this dude no more. And that would be my own quarterback. Anybody who listens to the show knows that I'm a diehard Oakland Raiders fan. And uh, yes, they were able to prevail um, against Cleveland Browns. But I'm gonna be honest with you, BB. I think the Cleveland Browns got hosed on that game yesterday, man. Um, there was two key calls that could have went, that should have went Cleveland's way, that didn't. And ended up giving the Raiders this win. And that one call was a particular late in the fourth quarter call where Derek Carr really fumbles the ball, but they call it a sack and they whistle the ball dead where he gets hit from behind. The ball pops loose, but they call it a sack and that the play is dead. But, but Derek Carr doesn't even get tackled and they, they don't consider that a fumble. And then the next one is after Derek Carr throws an interception, he, uh, uh, Carlos Hyde is trying to run the ball out. It's like third and two. The refs give him a first down initially, and then the booth reviews it because it's under inside of two minutes, and you can't challenge the challenge the spot of the ball. The refs go ahead and overturn it and say that he's short, and turns around and Derek Carr and uh, scores gets a touchdown pass to uh, Jared Cook, and uh, they end up converting the two point conversion. And next thing you know, it they're out of the doggone they they lose the game. Um, and I think here's the crazy thing about it though, baby. I think the Cleveland Browns might be they should be four and zero, man. They could be. They yeah. could be 4-0. They could be 4-0. So, so, after watching yesterday's game, I just saw a couple of passes from Derek Carr where it's just like, bro, what are you doing? Can you just not drive the ball down the field? Or what's the deal? Because you you got more interceptions than you do 
touchdowns right now, man. Well, I look at it like this: when it comes to um, oh, good one. when it comes to Derek Carr, man, I don't know what to expect from him. He's another one that has a gigantic arm, who is you know always gotten away with the arm strength. Yeah, and he makes very bad decisions, very very bad. That's why I was very surprised when um, when I, I was surprised when the Raiders gave him that extension. I don't know why, um, because he just doesn't look good to me. Now, when it comes back to the Cleveland Browns, though, I will say this. It should have been a fumble. You're right about that. That other one, though, that, that first down, it just, it, I, I can't tell or judge on whether or not his elbow came down before he made the, the line to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we just go by the little yellow line, and I'm confused, so I don't know if he made it or if he didn't, but it looks like his elbow may have come down first, and so um, Side note, not to cut you off, Bibi. This, this, let me let me just cut you off real quick because you brought up a funny story, and I just told somebody this not too long ago. Because uh, you brought up the yellow line of the first down story, uh, the first down yard marker. So anybody knows who's been watching football knows that the, the yellow the yellow marker on TV is not real. So I didn't start playing football until I was in high school, and I will never forget this. We were playing against a team, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like third and one, bro. Or like we was playing. I forgot who we was playing with. But, like, they were saying it was, like, third and one. Do not let him get past this yard line. I'm like, bro, like, where's the yellow line? Like, I need to <laughs> <laughs> So I get in the game, and so my boy is screaming at the top of his lungs, like, bro, do not let him get past this uh, marker. I'm like, dog, like, how am I supposed to know when there ain't no yellow line out here? Like, I'm going to sit there and probably give up the first down because I didn't know where to stop him now. Because I didn't forgot about the side, you know, the chain game dudes is where you're supposed to be looking at. So I'm sitting there looking at the yellow line this whole time, like, bro, like, how am I going to stop this man? And I don't know where we're trying to stop him at. Like, I need to know where the yellow line is so I can try to stop him from getting this first down. So anytime somebody brings up the yellow line, I always revert back to the store. So continue on. But I thought I'd go ahead and just let that out in the confession booth, bro. Wow, bro. I know you wasn't putting your foot down trying to be like, why is the yellow line not showing up on the street? <laughs> Bro, I'm telling you, man, I was looking for the yellow line hard, dog. Mm, mm, mm. Man, I, I can imagine you like, what is yellow line? I would have been, I, I ain't gonna even lie. I'd been like, Coach, he got a concussion. He got CTE case out here. Coach, you got CTE. Nah, bro, I was too embarrassed. Like, so I was looking for the yellow line, but I didn't want to be the one to be like, say it out loud. So I'm like, man. So in my head, I'm thinking, like, bro, like, where do I stop him at? Because I don't want to be the one to give up the first down. So, anywho's, man. So, I just thought I'd let you all know that because I'm a little young. So, I don't, I've only watched football, especially when NFL came out of the box. They're the ones that they beat that yellow line. So, I had to have been, like, seven or eight years old when NFL came back on box and they had the yellow line. So, bro, my wow, whole entire bro. life, I've been looking for the yellow line. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That is, bro, I'm on, oh, I, listen, don't be surprised if I don't bring that up on the show. Anyway, <laughs> man, look, what I was going to say, though, is that for as, for as bad as Derek Carr played, I think Baker Mayfield played worse. And Really? He, really? He had, yeah, he had two, touch, two, two interceptions, two fumbles, bro. It, so one, one interception wasn't his fault. But the other one was, the two fumbles was definitely his fault. And the one, I'm going to tell you which one that, that really made me realize he ain't learned I mean he had he, he still got a long way to go in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Any any professional center I I um, I said this on the show today. I keep saying that. Anyway, my boy, 
used to play. I, I've told you this before, I think. You know, I told you that uh, Barrett Roberts is like one of my best friends. So yeah, yeah, he's, for, yeah for, the, for the Raiders. Yeah, the dude that went yeah. to wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barrett Roberts is one of my one of my best friends, mm-hmm. man. And he'll tell you he's like, you know, when a when the, when the quarterback puts his hands up under the center, then that means he's ready to go. Mm-hmm. He's not. You can't audible from under center. He said most. You know, most of the time when they because that's audible, a false start. Yeah, they're going to step back, though, and mm-hmm. call the audible and then come back up to let the center know that they're ready to go. So the center, once he puts his hand up on his butt, he gets into a whole different mindset, like, okay, we're ready to go. And I think that when Baker was trying to audible, the center had it in his mind to hike the ball. Mm. And so that's Baker's fault. If you're going to audible, you have to take a step out. But that's, that also comes from inexperience of playing under, under center. Because I know when he was at Oklahoma, I don't think he took no snaps under center. Um, just off of the out the way, practically at half the college football, don't even have to have plays under the center. Um, so, like, they, that's a whole new ball game they got to learn um, coming into the pros. So, yeah, that was okay. I'll give you that one. But I think so. Here's me, man. And I think you and I discussed this, whether it's on this show or a on a regular show all the way out there in Houston on KYOK. Um, I, I sat there and was very, very hard on John. Uh, Lord, I'm about to call him Johnny Manziel because I kept saying Baker Merrifield was Johnny Manziel 2.0. And I was not really a fan of him with all of his antics off the field. You know, I think he got busted for uh, being intoxicated out in the public and then the whole uh, crotch grabbing and flicking people off against whoever. I think who they played, uh, Kansas, last year when they played Kansas. So I just I just didn't think that he was with the, you know, he was just mature enough. But, you know, he's kind of proving me wrong. Um, I thought, you know, he played, you know, under the circumstances. I thought he had a phenomenal game. Like you said, I forgot about that. I completely whipped on the whole under the uh, – the, the getting under the center, he just completely botched that uh, that that snap. But uh, uh, one thing that I do notice that a lot of people aren't talking about is Marshawn Lynch is having a great year, bro. Like he is decent. Like I think he's better this year than he was last year. Like Marshawn Lynch has been very very comfortable in this whole this with John Gruden offense. And hey, say what you want to say about anybody else on this team, but the only one that probably has benefited from this. Uh, this coaching change is probably Marshawn Lynch because he's already up to 300 yards for the year rushing. That's so that's what almost 100. You know he's averaging about 75 game, 75 yards a game with three touchdowns already. Like Marshawn Lynch looks good this year. Um, another person that um, is kind of so you know I've always thought he was really good, but he's really flourished as well as a year as well as Jared Cook. Um, Jared Cook, you know another game of over 100 yards uh, catching, uh, caught two touchdowns, especially the one at the end. Uh, right before the end of regulation uh, that tied the game up. It was very essential as well. So um, I don't know what to think of the Raiders yet. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what they end up doing um, for the rest of the year. I know next week they play the L.A. Chargers, so that'll be a good measuring stick for them. But, um, yeah, I don't know what to think of them, man. Like, I mean, hey, they look bad I defense. Listen. I always imagine Marshawn Lynch running with the Thiz face. Every time. <laughs> every time I'm like, he's just like, Thiz face, Thiz face. And he won't go down, bro. No. He just will not go down. And I'm saying to myself, man, as long as he's been in the league, he's still this tough. Mm-hmm. Bro, he does not go. Like, initial contact means nothing to him. No, not at all. And, and that's I was so surprised how he how, how he's still able to run like that. You know, looking back at it, I don't know if there was a key player like right around the second quarter where, like you said, he doesn't go down, but the refs called a ball. They called a run where he was, they called it, they, they blew the whistle prematurely because he was still fighting for extra yards. He never went down. But you know how they kind of like, you know, they, they get, do a game tackle, but the runner may not go down. So there's like two people on Marshawn Lynch and he was still running, but they called, the, they blew the whistle, blew the whistle dead. 
and he was still running. He actually ended up breaking out of it as the runner still trying to take him down, and they called it dead. And he was actually out off to the race, um, out to the races running. So I don't know if you know the whole Carlos Hyde uh, short on the fourth down was a we owe you one, but uh, the referees clearly got that one wrong. Well, Marshawn Lynch is probably still running somewhere around in uh, East Oakland yes. right now. So um, yeah, so the Raiders are on board with their first victory, but I can usually you know about to say the Cleveland Browns could be four and zero, bro. Like that's just how competitive the NFL is. You know, you get a couple of calls here and there that can swing your fortunes around. So it's 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 definitely interesting, man. But um, yep. but I'm um, moving into something. I I definitely want to talk about this player because he definitely got the headways this weekend. Uh, Would we'll probably be the Seattle Seahawks uh, All Pro safety at uh, Earl Thomas the third. Um, so some of y'all may or may not know he he was holding out this year because he wanted a new contract. Finally decided to report it right around week one. And, uh, you know, he, he's been actually, you know, he sat out a couple practices saying that he had headaches, but he really wasn't hurt. Um, ended up being fined, uh, I think, over $500,000 because of un- un- a player misconduct or whatever, saying that he wanted to take care of himself. And he's basically been saying that he wants a new deal. And I think he's going into his last year of a four-year, $40 million deal and was due about $10 million this year. Earl Thomas wants, Earl Thomas wants the best, you know, all, you know, he wants to be paid, you know, not only just one of the top safeties in the league, but one of the top defenders in the NFL, which I personally think Earl Thomas is a monster. Like he, I think if anybody, you know, with the whole Legion of Boom and Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman was there, he was probably the, the best one out of those three. Yes, Cam Chancellor led, laid the boom down there, but, you know, uh, with whether it being uh, Shaquem Griffin or Earl Richard Sherman on the uh, on the cornerbacks, he gave, he gave him so much leeway. That's why Shaquem Griffin or Byron Maxwell and Richard Sherman, all those guys were able to look good was because of Earl Thomas ball hawking back there, making sure everything was good. So needless to say, yesterday late in the fourth quarter, you know, he gets, he breaks his leg, he gets put off in the cart and he's literally out here, you know, flipping off, you know, what lips, what seems to be the coaching staff of the Seattle Seahawks, man. And, you know, personally, I, I definitely think that uh, it was due diligence because he should have paid the man. But this is a perfect example of why NFL players want these guaranteed contracts. They want to get paid up front because it is a contact sport and things like this does happen. Earl Thomas is about to be 30 years old. And with a broken leg, who's to say that he might have played his last game yesterday, BB? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if he played his last game. He may be able to come back. He may be serviceable for about... Because that ain't the first time he done broke his leg before. Yeah, because that's the same one he has the rod set. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, think about it like this, man. They they gonna th- they make him a three D leg. One of one of the <laughs> The technology today, man, is so unreal that it amazes me. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he got like a hologram with Tupac on the side of it or something. But man, I definitely love what he did. But that's only because I don't like Pete Carroll, man. And I've never been a Pete Carroll fan from USC. I, I just did not like Pete Carroll. I, I don't think he's a good coach. I think that he's always had great talent. Mm-hmm. USC, that was a very talented team, so he didn't have to do a lot of coaching. That Seattle Seahawks team, that defense was so good, he didn't have to do a lot of coaching. And now that he has to do all this coaching, now you see he is really not a good coach. And I, I, I think that Pete Carroll is the kind of friend that'll show up to help you and snitch on you at the same time. Yeah, now He'll show up to help you, like you, you, like you need help. Like, hey man, can you come help me move out? You know, move out of my house. Me and my wife are having some issues, right? Mm-hmm. So he just show up and then he'd be like, "Well, you know, uh, he's been cheating on me." <laughs> like, what the hell? 
You know, he's always going to be the guy who kind of goofed up that Super Bowl against the Patriots where he should have just handed the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. They would have been having another Super Bowl back-to-back. Who would have known what had happened with the New England Patriots? But that would have definitely secured up another Super Bowl and put one in the bag for that franchise. But, you know, just from that to Baby and Russell Wilson, you know, there's been, you know, there's been jibber-jabber about Russell Wilson is the the locker room snitch dude, that he's the narc. He runs back. He runs back and tells people what's going on in the locker room, and you know, kind of marks people out. So there's that scuttlebutt going on. So I don't know if he's a good coach. Um, you can't take away that he had three national championships. He's got a, a, a Super Bowl ring, um, but like you said, he's had great talent. You know, I think about you know after what is that? Mark Sanchez left USC. He dipped on out because of the USC allegations. And if he was that good of a coach, he probably would have stayed. But Remember, who calls me? Matt Barkley didn't pan out to be really, really well, and USC started going down, down the toilet. So, I don't know who's who's to say that he's really that good of a coach. But you know, I think if you really want to know if he's a good coach, this year will be the year. Um, they did squeak by Arizona yesterday, who I think they should have smashed. But I don't expect Seattle to win a lot of games, bro. I don't either, man. And I think that um, I like Russell Wilson. Don't get me wrong, but he's not leading it. help bro they they are playing like like they barely beat Arizona on yesterday so it, it's over man that that dynasty is over they're gonna have to rebuild and then you know it, it's isn't it funny that you can't find a Seattle Seahawks fan anywhere now like back in the day you thought they were everywhere I was like I only know two diehard Seahawks fans bro you know two I don't even know none <laughs> that's, two, that's two more than I know and that's you only know two so what that show you hey, I know one that was an NCO that I was with when I was in Germany, and and one she actually works for the Seahawks. That's it. That, that's the only two fans I know. And then, cause I bought people like this. It's like, uh, okay, so you're a Seahawks fan. Uh, tell, name me uh, who was the most prolific prolific running back to play for them outside of Marshawn Lynch. Sean Alexander would be right. Would be the first one I could think of. Sean Alexander is the only one. Yeah. It maybe it maybe uh Kurt um Kurt oh my god was it Warner? Not, no man, that Kurt Warner was a quarterback for the no, Rams. No 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 no. C U R T. Kurt. It starts with a W. I'm I'm so serious. They had a good running back named Kurt something man. So uh but yeah that's how I know it's like y'all not real fans. Yeah, side yeah, note, ask, side note, ask them two fans tomorrow, uh, did they know that Jerry Rice played for the Seahawks? See if they say so. Hey, look, that's when his hairline was really going back. Bro, bro. <laughs> bro, that hairline was something stupid back then, man. Ooh, ooh-wee. But yeah, yeah, so like you said, I think I know probably one Seattle Seahawks fan, and that's because they went on their run, and they're from Seattle. But other than that, I can't, I can't name somebody from Seattle. I can't name no Seattle Seahawks fan, so I mean it is what it is, man. But you know, in every sport, you kind of get that where they start going on their winning ways, and, and the franchise starts picking up some unknown people that you're like, man, you're a Seahawks yeah. fan? Like I thought you was a Patriots fan last week, man. Okay. I told you, I told you his name was Kurt Warner. Oh. C U R T W A R N E R. I think then he go to Penn State. Uh, mate, you tell me. I don't know this dude. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> 
I, I knew I wasn't. I, I, yes, he went to Penn. See, man, I knew I knew what I was talking about. I was like, yes, that water. <laughs> <laughs> well, there y'all have it, y'all. But uh, moving in, we're going to take a quick pause for the call. We're going to actually do something a little different, man. We've got to bring a special guest on because there's a lot of people that have been hitting me up on my Instagram, on my emails to the same. E, y'all don't never talk about baseball. Y'all don't never show no baseball, no love. Don't worry about it. Pause for the calls. We're going to dive into the playoffs because some of this game started today. And technically, the playoffs started today with uh, a lot of playing games, which is kind of unique. I don't think it's really ever happened like that. So uh, we're definitely going to have a little bit of help. Uh, BB, you know, you can bring the introducing in. So who we got coming up, man? Man, we got my boy Chris Carter. He, Not uh, the football player, right? I, I know, right? <laughs> Funny story behind his name. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna bring him in, man. He does. So we call ourselves the two, the two big sports dummies. So he's the other half of, uh, he's the other dummy, and uh, he's actually uh, he does a segment on my show on Fridays, you know, called the Dummy. Gotcha. The sports dummy, but he is a baseball aficionado, man. And he loves sports. Don't get me wrong, but baseball is his thing. Die hard Astros fan. So. He's uh he he'll definitely be able to bring um you know shine a little bit more light on this on this upcoming post 2018 postseason in Major League Baseball. Oh for sure. So yeah, needless to say, we're definitely gonna tap into a quick little pause for calls. We gotta pay some bills, and then once we get back from that, we will definitely bring Mr. Uh, Carter up on here. So stay tuned, y'all. All right. 